One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome. This is the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here today. My guest is Adam Richard. You can find him on Twitter at Adam Richard. Yes, two first names. I know more about him in just a moment. Thank you so much for being here. If you like the show, please subscribe to the show. You can find us in iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Also, get on the mailing list at osherginsberg.com where you can uh, just simply write to me by replying to the email that I send out each and every week. I would ask you normally to uh, rate and comment on this show, but this week I'd ask you to download, rate, and comment on the new project I'm working on, Movember Radio, which is a really, really great project that I'm very, very proud to be working on for about a year and a half now. I'm stoked that uh, we got new and noteworthy in the iTunes store after only two weeks on air. Uh, This week, my guest is going to be Richie McCaw, captain of the All Blacks and... uh, yeah, it's a fantastic conversation. For more on that, just go to movemberradio.com or search in uh, in iTunes. I hope your week was good, whatever you happen to do. I um, you know, I've got the lurgy that's been going around. It's it's hard to avoid when bugs get into society. If you're out and about in public, you're going to catch it. But as a result, I couldn't ride my bike or go to the gym or do anything and I you know, I tend to forget that when I've been active, you know, I don't really notice it, but when I'm inactive, it's, it's really quite prominent how much exercise plays a role in my mental health. And um, yeah, so I wasn't doing so great this week. But finally, look, I can't stress enough. If you're having a bad time, if, if, if things aren't going your way, if you're just kind of feeling poop all the time, there's, there's a few things you can do all in your own power to, to, to make sure that everything's okay. And this, you know, has worked for me time and time again. I'm only talking about what works for me. Um, but just make sure you get eight hours sleep a night, get to bed, get up at a regular time, try and make sure you've got a schedule around that. Eat three square meals a day, drink plenty of water and at least half an hour of light activity once a day. You know, you've got a smartphone in your pocket. That's how you're listening to this. Put some earbuds in, walk around the block. That's all it takes. Listen to a podcast. Um, those three things, simple as they are, as obvious as they sound, they go leaps and bounds into uh, making your headspace a better place to be. Um, if you can't get quality sleep, make sure you're doing everything, you know, in at nighttime 
in, in the right order. No lit screens in the last hour before bed, no coffee or tea after lunch. Take the last hour to really wind down, phone out of the bedroom, just a nice book, cool sheets or cozy sheets, wherever you happen to be on the planet. You know, really, it's really simple stuff, I know, but that's that's what that's what works. And there's, there's a reason why it's said to us over and over again, because it's, it's what works. There's plenty you can do, but... If you're doing all those things and still nothing's changing, make sure you go see a doctor because, you know, that can be, a, as I've described on this show before, a bit of a flag about some uh, something else that's going on. I did finally get manage to get back on my bike and I just went up and down the hill around the corner um, heaps, which was great. They're called interval repeats when you just do hills and everything felt a lot better after that. I seem to, you know, never underestimate the ability to feel better after a good whack out on my bicycle. Um, this week, it's massive news, of course. The equality vote by the U.S. Supreme Court is a is enormous, enormous news around the world for human rights. Um, it's big for me. I've spent a lot of my time in America, as you know, and to be in a country that at one time can see so seem so extreme in many of its views around. Uh, you know, national security or, or gun control or lack of gun control to then come through, you know, all the way at the top of the ladder at the Supreme Court and say, this is it. Um, liberty and justice for all means all equality is equality. That's it. it. It just means so much to me personally and the, and the people around me in my life in North America who, uh, who are in love with someone that is the same sex as they are. It just, it, it, I'm just so happy for them. And, and as a society, I'm just so happy for them. And it does make me think a lot about Australia, uh, the country that I grew up in. And it, it, it gets, does make me feel that in Australia, sometimes I get this feeling that there's so much about it that I love and it's just so incredible. And there's so much about it that is so far behind the rest of the world. I mean, equality in Australia is a big issue, whether it be equality between men and women between straight and gay, between indigenous and non-indigenous, immigrant and local, crikey, white and not white. Equality in Australia is a massive issue. It really is the greatest country on earth. I couldn't be prouder to call myself Australian. But where the country is at isn't the top of the mountain. There's so much blue sky above us and there's no reason for us to stop climbing. You know, making progress on carbon footprints and renewable energy, they're all there for us to take. We've done it before in this country. We've done it before with gun control. We led the world with that. We did that within six months. We did that. Absolutely incredible. We've done it before. We can do it again. Um, and I would really hope that for, for, for my country, just to see that this isn't the end where we are right now. There's so much more that we can go and, and, and take and be and grow and become. And it's going to be better as long as we just keep moving forward. That's, that's my big wish for this week um, in all manner of things. My guest today does certainly have some interesting thoughts on equality, which is why I'm very much looking forward to sharing this conversation with you. Adam Richard is on Twitter at Adam Richard, fairly self-explanatory. He's a stand-up comedian. He's a writer. He's an actor. He's a radio host, and he uh, has spent the most of his life in Melbourne, Australia. He's also the writer, uh, actor, and creator of the uh, comedy series Outland, which was about a group of gay sci-fi fans but it's absolutely brilliant if you've not checked it out there's some floating around on youtube i highly recommend it most recently adam came on board to be a team captain on the rebooted version of the music panel show in australia spicks and specs which lived a short but brilliant life after it was cancelled amid a number of factors including that 
the reboot of the show was going up against the original series of the show, which was being programmed at the same time as it, it, yeah, it was a weird moment for everyone. And he does talk about that job coming and going. And he talks about a lot of things coming and going. Adam, after 10 years of FM radio, recently shifted careers once again. And he was in Sydney working on a project that he wouldn't tell me about, still hasn't told me about it, but I'd like to think it's some sort of excellent sequel to Outland personally. Massive warnings here, folks. Big, 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 biggity, big, big, big warnings. Um, there's a, some language warnings and there's some content warnings, okay? There's some very interesting double entendre work. There's some very full-on single entendre work. There's two separate, quite bold and brutal uses of the C word. And some very descriptive language regarding pictures sent on mobile phones between homosexual men. And what was going on in those pictures. Okay? We're going to talk about that. Fair warning. You've been warned. When, when we start talk, when he starts talking about being at M. Rusciano's birthday party, if you flick forward one or two minutes, you'll, you'll come out on the other side clean. You'll know why that's funny when you get there. Okay. So come now with me to Bondi Beach uh, and uh, enjoy a cup of very fancy coffee brewed by a man with sleeve tattoos and some vegan vanilla slice with the delightful, wonderful, and all around del- just marvelous, I'd say even fabulous with a few A's, Adam Richard. Um, I don't even mean it half the time no 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 it's fine I'm rolling I'm rolling so for anyone listening who's playing the drinking game every time anytime Adam Richard pulls out a double entendre feel free to do a shot they're not there's there's no other level to them generally oh no no that's fine Um, so we're sitting in my hotel room in Bondi uh, which Adam has very gracefully driven from the other side of the world to get to from Waterloo yeah well, I live in Melbourne, so technically I drove from Melbourne. A long way. It's a long I way. I feel very honoured that you're here. <laughs> and um, we're just uh, consuming some incredibly overpriced mm. coffee from downstairs made by a man with a beard. Mm. It's really good coffee. Uh, well, there yes. was a man with a beard. Well, you know the thing is, like, I, I know this from my moustache, that a, you get coffee in it mm. and you kind of taste it all day. Mm. So it would have to be good if you've got a beard. I don't call it a flavour saver for nothing. Yeah. It's sticking there all day. Like, it would be all around your mouth. Yep. You would want to have good coffee. People will be drunk by now if they're playing the drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Um, I thought that was, I was being so nice. So I was, I've, I've just eaten a, an incredibly overpriced uh, orange and chili vegan ball. Vegan ball. But I did want to tell you that last night as I sat in the Crown mm. Promenade Hotel after the Logie Awards, which is the Australian Emmys, <laughs> with, no, with no remorse. I lay on my bed, going through Instagram, eating a pack of mini bar chips on my bed. Well, the- <laughs> in my underpants. Were they the deconstructed chips? Were they the no? Just kettle sea salt. Oh, okay. eating crunchy hotel chips in a bed. Because <laughs> sometimes when you go to a hotel, they only have Pringles. No, you don't. Want which that. are like Deb chips, like they're chips made out of dehydrated potato What's that's been worst? reconstituted and then fried. <laughs> They're yeah, so they're a little weird. too. Pringles always bother me because of the uniformity of their construction. It seems it's a little too spat out by a machine. Mm. At least with the kettle chip, I have the. Uh, this looks somewhat like it was cooked by someone. How, do, how does it go with the vegan? Are they cooked in animal fat? Or... It depends on how far from midnight you're going. <laughs> does it get to a point where you just. Mostly go, vegan. I'm dialing down the vegan. Well, look, it's it's late and I'm hungry. I can't say that it's a particularly separated kitchen, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you there was ingredients was potato, oil, 
salt. Right. I'll go with that. It could be canola oil. It's going to be vegetable oil. <laughs> so you're here in Sydney, which is exciting. Mm. We were just talking about um, about the nature of work in the industry we've chosen. Mm-hmm. There's that Chris Rock, Chris Rock line. Um, there's two kinds of work. There's jobs mm. and there's careers. Yes. When you have a job, you're like, oh, fuck, I've got to go to my job. <laughs> when you have a career, like, can't wait to go and get stuck into my career. <laughs> Unless those two things intersect at 4 a.m. and then. Which Breakfast Radio does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you love doing it. You just don't like the the nighttime bit of, oh, I've got to go to bed because I've got to get up and go to work. And I normally do gigs now until 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's that's the horrible intersection. But other than that, yeah, mostly it's. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Thanks, oh. for, thanks for being open to talking about. <laughs> we met. Barista's mouth. <laughs> we met. Uh, let's just drop some names here. I think we met the same day we met Hugh Jackman. Mm. On an island in the middle of the Sydney Harbour. Yes, we probably did. Yeah. I remember my first, like, because I, I, here's a confession. Mm. I had a crush on you for quite some oh, time. And when, now you're alone in my hotel room with me. It's dangerous. Um, no, when I was uh, unemployed and watching Foxtel, I know those two things aren't meant to go together. But <laughs> who else has time to watch cable television but unemployed people? <laughs> this is before the DVR, I'm assuming. So yes. you're watching live. Yeah. I was watching live Channel V and you were, you know, with your long hair. Mm. And I well, was that like, was a long time ago. Oh, a very long time ago. Yeah. I had no job, no career, no nothing. Um, and I was like, oh, I want that guy to be my boyfriend. He seems so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and he's cool. He knows all about music. And then the first time we had a conversation, you were, I think we were sitting near each other at a Star Trek screening and you screamed, oh, if they separate the saucer section, I'm going to lose my mind. And I went, oh, he's a nerd, bless. <laughs> That's probably about right. <laughs> I would have said that too. I... There's a strange feeling that goes in my body when you're seeing the Enterprise has nowhere left to go mm-hmm. and then they cut to a shot of the bridge. You're like, oh, here it comes. It's going to happen. It's going hap- to happen. And then they do it and I, I just kind of lose it. And it's only happened like three or four times. Like it's a really rare occurrence. It's amazing. It's when awesome. They, when they do it. Except that time Deanna was allowed to fly and she crashed. No, we can't have that. <laughs> Uh, but it's, you know, it's not like, oh, what was that incredible cartoon that was on the TV, uh, Star Blazers, mm. which was about a group of, uh, uh, they were from Earth and they had um, Yamato, they had pulled the ship Yamato off the bottom yeah, of the yeah, ocean yeah. and they turned it into a giant spaceship with a huge particle projectile cannon out the mm-hmm. front of it. <laughs> and um, uh, they had to cross the universe to destroy some guy who's trying to kill the Earth. Unfortunately, every episode they found some way to, Fire this gun. Yeah. It's like Voltron or um, G-Force. Or, like, the, or the Thunderbirds as well. Whirlwind Pyramid. Here we go. So, yeah, that's how you do it every time. I used to get excited with Thunderbirds. Like, oh, they're going to. Oh, no. They, of course they're going to do that. They do that every week. Do they? <laughs> they always get shot down the tube into the spaceship. But is that like NCIS where you just know what's going to happen? It's mm. kind of like boring married sex where you know it's going to happen. There'll be an orgasm. It'll be an orgasm. <laughs> May not be a world shadow. You know, it's, there's a routine. Well, that's a bit different this time around, but we know. And now we know where we're going. We're after the third ad break and here comes the forensic guy. Although they do that thing on NCIS where they have the little black and white bit at the start after the ad that makes you go, oh, that looks exciting. And then that's the bit before the next ad. 
So yeah. they really, they really tell you everything that's going to happen in that show. They really, the procedurals are all. <laughs> I love a procedural though. Like Law and Order went for like 20 years and it was the same thing every week. Every week. They'd find a body in a dumpster. Lenny mm. would turn up and say something hilarious. There's always some semen somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. I know that's CSI with the big light. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Goodness me. So when you were unemployed watching Channel V, is that another way of saying you were doing a lot of stand-up comedy at the time? I, yeah, I probably was. <laughs> Either that or you were in a band. <laughs> I was. But I'm not, I don't want to be one of those people like, even back then I didn't like to say, I'm a comedian. And it's like, well, I'm making no money out of it, so I can't. Right. Call myself a comedian. But now I can because I make money out of it. But, yeah, there are a lot of people who call themselves comedians who do maybe six gigs in their life uh-huh. and never turn it into anything and just go around saying, oh, yes, I was a comedian. I'm like, you did six gigs for no money. That's not a comedian. <laughs> That's some guy, you know, experimenting in, <laughs> during university. It's like. I was bisexual. No, no, you weren't. You had six goes at it and that was it. <laughs> I had six goes at it. Like a bisexual is someone who has sex with both genders and, you know, can have relationships with people yeah. of both genders. Whereas, you know, some girl that passes some other girl at a nightclub is not an instant bisexual. It's no. Just add lesbian. Nor is a man. <laughs> Mm. Nor is a man that has, you know, patched a couple of blokes. I know. Out of Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras <laughs> in 2000. It doesn't. Doesn't you, make me bisexual. You have to live the life. But, I, 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 but I, I know what it's about. I'm like, okay, not for me. Yeah, it's a bit scratchy. Well, know. I got it. You know, I understood. Yeah. I'm like, oh, right, I get it. Because he was bigger than me. I'm like, okay, I get it. He's kind of bigger and I get, oh, it's rough. Oh, this is what it feels like to be small. Can yeah. you get, you know, I understand. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> Not for me. I get it, you know. Got it though. Um, so when did when was stand up the thing? When did you know that you could actually make? When did you know it could be a job? Um, oh God, I don't know. All my friends were doing it. Like I hung around in stand up circles. Yeah. Um, with a bunch of people that I did like plays at uni with. Not that I went to uni. <laughs> what did you study? I, I didn't. I did four weeks of cinema studies and then left. So all my friends were at uni. We, and I was hanging gosh, out. With gosh, I'm doing this the wrong way round. Let's go backwards. <laughs> let's go. Let's let's let's. Oh god. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, you're younger than me. Mm-hmm. I was born in '74. When were you born? I was. I, I I appreciate you thinking I was younger than you. I was born in '71. No. Yeah. Pets. An old lady. <laughs> okay, so '71, Victoria, Melbourne. Yes. Grew up in Carlton, went to school in Carlton. For folks who aren't from Australia, can you describe Carlton in the early 70s? Carlton in the 70s and 80s was, it was halfway between, I started in Brunswick, which is now Hipsterville. Total. My brother and his boyfriend used to live there. <laughs> beards and coffee there. Yes, Goodness. a lot of beards and coffee. But now, I mean, back then it was a slum. Um, uh, Carlton was just starting to become gentrified when I was there, but mm. there's also huge uh, commission housing towers. Mm. So... You know, it was a real clash of... Like projects, like housing projects yeah, yeah, that yeah. you see in, in, in other countries. Yeah. yeah. So it was a real clash of cultures, like, mm. uh, you know, the the very poor and the up and coming. And, yeah, so it was an interesting place to go to school and right. to grow up. And a lot I, of brothers and sisters? Or? No, just one sister. Yeah. Older? Uh, younger. Uh-huh. I know. I should be the responsible one. How many years apart were you? Oh, two years nearly. Oh, it's me and my brother are two years apart. How did you go having someone else show up? Was it tough? Uh, not really. Well, you know, she was a girl. 
pride. She, you know, made me look much less butch than I already did. Uh, <laughs> right. Like Michelle was, yeah, Michelle was kind of tough and, you know, sporty, whereas I was, yeah, quite effeminate, even at school. Well, that's, see, this is the the thing, because I saw, I saw it with my brother, the whole idea that people think, oh, it's a choice to be gay. It's like, no, you come out that way. You mm. really do. And anyone that's grown up with a brother or sister who's gay, you go, yeah, well, yeah, that's. It was always have, like that. It was always like that. <laughs> it might have taken them a little while to put a name on it, and mm. that's okay. It could take as long as you want to put a name on it, but it's not like you suddenly decide one day, I prefer this to that. It's like, yeah. no, you just wired different yeah. from the get-go. Like the people I identified with when I was a kid, like, you know, I thought the funniest person on television was uh, was Mr. Humphreys in Are You Being Served? <laughs> okay, so Are You Being Served was, I believe the correct term is campus tits. Yeah, so camp. It was the campus British completely politically incorrect oh, sitcom. Yeah. I'm talking like with timpani boom when you saw boobs on screen, like that bad. And Mr. Humphreys was... Uh, he was frequently measuring someone's inside leg. Yes, very much. <laughs> Mr. Humphreys, could you go downstairs? Oh, first time I've been down all day. <laughs> yeah. Like, say shit like that, like left and right. Yeah. And there was often, you know, calls of, I need you and ladies on Andre in five minutes. Oh, it's going to take me ten. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> oh. It was almost like a weekly carry-on film, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I loved carry-on movies as well. Yeah. Loved, oh, Kenneth Williams, hilarious. Oh, the way he had that affectation in yeah. his voice. I'm sure he wasn't born speaking like that. <laughs> but the way he had that affectation in his voice. It was almost like he was singing half the time. Truly. I know. <laughs> oh, you did that so well. I did it a lot as a child. Are oh, you impersonated? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Obsessed. Obsessed did, did with people Carrie laugh when you were doing that? Yes. Hilarious. The, and camp, thought, the camp child in and the And you house. thought, oh, there's something here. Did you put two and two together? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, essentially that's been my whole career, talking Puffy and hoping, hoping for the best. <laughs> Puffy's a very Australian word. <laughs> talking Puffy and hope for the best. There's your T-shirt right there. <laughs> That's your, you know, that's when you go to the high school uh, graduation, uh, you know, commencement speech or the careers day. Just talk puffy and hope for the best, talk boys. And hope for the best. You'll Good be luck. Fine. You'll be fine. It'll be great. Uh, but I'm guessing Carlton in the seventies might have been a difficult place for. A, or was it all right? Oh, uh, high school was fine because the like I was in year seven in eighty three, mm. so like Boy George was a big thing yeah. in Maryland. So there was. Kind of an understanding or an awareness. And village people had just been humongous. Yeah. Village so, people were so big in Australia. It's yeah, not even yeah. funny. And people did not understand it. Oh, my grandmother took me to see You Can't Stop the Music as like a serious film to go and take kids to. It's Steve Gutenberg awesome. on roller skates. Yeah. Doesn't get better. Valerie Perrine dancing around a spa. <laughs> At the spa. <laughs> in the steam room. In the steam room. <laughs> totally fine. Totally fine. G-rated. Yeah. There's G-rated. music. There's songs and dancing. There's songs and dancing and hanging out in the YMCA. Like, that's it. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Hmm. So your grandma took you to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you go, oh. I, no, you know what? I never really tweaked with that one. No. I guess because there's a lot of overt sexuality in it as opposed to, you know, behaving camp. Mm. Like, they're two very different things. Like, I know that some people say, you know, if you're gay, then... Like the being effeminate and being 
homosexual are two very different things. You can be effeminate and heterosexual. I but, know a few. <laughs> and you, assume, you work in television. Well, and you work with them all day. And you, yeah. go, you go, okay, all right. And then they go, well, got to get home. Wife and kids are waiting. You go, yes. what? What? <laughs> They're often executives. We've been making like, dick jokes all day. Are you? <laughs> yeah. So you're right. But that is interesting for some people, you know, because I understand that there was a time when we talk about these carry-on films or I mm. being served, the affectation, the telegraphing of sexuality was a little so, you, I guess I don't have to talk to tell you. I don't know. Yeah. How, where does that play into I, it? I think that came from a time when it was illegal mm. um, and it was like a way of going, yes, we don't have to have this conversation, you know, this will happen mm. <laughs> later on tonight. Um, I guess that's part of it. Uh, it also, a lot of it came from the from showbiz traditions and, mm. you know, like there's a whole language, like there's a whole uh, yeah, I heard Polare. There was a whole language. What was it called? Polare. Polare. It was in New York, Manhattan. Mm. It's gone now. But there and, was. And, and in Britain. And yeah. Like, you know. Complete code, complete coded yeah. language that men spoke to each other to organise sexual rendezvous. Yeah. Let's and... have a kiki. <laughs> Came from Polare, which oh, is right. the, the Scissor Sisters song. Is, wow. Yeah. I know. It's fascinating. It's interesting just listening to you talk. You've slipped in and out of it like four times so far. I know. It's, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's part of who I am. And, you know, there's, I always think of like there's the other, there's like a different me. There are two me's. Yeah. There's the fabulous Adam Richard who With is. Three A's. Yeah. <laughs> who is extremely camp and talks like this the entire time. <laughs> He's very annoying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, you know, because I was that person for 10 years. Yeah. I now am in this weird space where I feel more comfortable about being camp. Because there's also, there's a real thing in in kind of like gay subculture where to be effeminate now is to be seen as sort of like not properly gay or you're betraying the brotherhood or something. I don't know. There's a weird sort of shame about effeminate men. So it's, yeah. That is very interesting. I know. That is really very interesting because I've got, yeah, I went to an all boys school, so mm. lots of my friends are gay. Yeah, what a surprise! You, you just have to go on percentages. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember after high school when it was kind of okay for people to start coming mm. out. There was this like an initial spike mm. of then there was like frosted tips and PVC pants, and <laughs> people would say hamburger with the letter S in it, you know, and just like. <laughs> You know, all this kind of stuff. And then by the time they got to be about 23, 24, it kind of all calmed down a bit. But initially there was an enormous telegraphing. There is, I mean, there is a a bit where when you finally kind of uh, say it out loud to people and also it's, it's really hard. Like you, you know, when people talk about coming out, you know, you say like it's, it happens once. It happens all the time. Like you constantly have to come out to people. Like it's every time you meet someone new, it's, you know, there might be an odd, awkward moment where it's like, oh, have you met uh, Janine down in a, no, I'm gay. Like, you know, you have to say it all the time because some people don't really pick up on it. So the, sometimes the more flamboyant you are, the less you have to come out. Like it's just, it's easier. <laughs> wow. Because it becomes a constant thing. Like friends of mine who are very, uh, you know, straight acting in inverted commas, uh, yeah, seem to be doing it all the time. Right. Like it's a constant and I, I would find that exhausting because it's emotionally a difficult thing to do. Like now I guess nowadays younger people would be easier but for my but generation. Cer- certainly to strangers every day. 
and and yeah. you're absolutely right. I never I never really considered that. I never. Really, it's not just like the one time where you yeah. say to your parents and friends, it's like, well, and you get a tattoo on your forehead. <laughs> well, or when you start, you know, when you start a new job or yes. shit, when you're at a store and someone yeah. says, "Oh, will your wife like these?" Well, well, actually, my wife is an Asian man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, won't match your skin tone, and particularly like for people who are quite close to me that don't. That you you just go, well, that's a very well dressed man. Mm. That's about it. That's about as much as he gets. Like yeah. that person pays attention to the sharpness of the collar. <laughs> that's about that's about as much telegraphing as there is. Yeah. And I, I I've been out with them and there's confusion <laughs> quite often. Yeah. When blokes go, what do you recommend here? And he goes, uh, well, no. Nah. What do you got a girlfriend? No. No. Oh. <laughs> no, don't make me say it. <laughs> don't make me say it. Well, that's that's. I've had to say it so many times. Yeah. Well, it was last night. And other people become embarrassed. So then you become embarrassed mm. and it's, yeah. It was last night at the Logies. Um, that is the gayest thing that ever happened. Ever. <laughs> so last night at the Logies, and you meet a lot of them. People go, oh, my partner and I, and then you're just waiting for the gender-specific pronoun. You know, you're like, mm. my partner and I, and then you go, they like the their shoes with the, and we and we had a vada, and then you go, you're like five sentences later and they go, <laughs> And of course, he doesn't like. Oh, fuck! Thank God! <laughs> you know, <laughs> finally, because you just wait. After they drop partner, you just wait. See, I find partner a cheat. Yeah. Like I, well, because I used to, have, I used to be in a comedy double act for a while, and so partner for me was my comedy yeah, partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just go with boyfriend. Boyfriend says everything at once. Boyfriend says everything at yeah. once. Husband, but it's illegal. <laughs> just, just ridiculous. I know, but you know. It's... And whereas, and husband used to be like a slang term. Like we used to, mm. you know, we used to use husband as like, oh, the hubby won't let me. But now because of the connotation it has with some countries, you can get married. Mm. Um, so I feel like people don't say husband anymore. So we've all gone down to partner. My, my uh, someone quite close to me, his boyfriend's a uh, New Zealander. Mm. So technically they can go to the New Zealand embassy here in Sydney, yeah. get married and then come back out again as husband and husband. But then don't have all the same rights as you would have in this country. Yeah, which is ridiculous. But, you know, that's, and that, the, that's the worst thing, like having to fight for, you know, if, you're, if your partner gets sick. That's the worst. Um, you know, and they've, you know, who knows what their family's like. Like when I, yeah. very different decisions could be made. When I think about, um, certainly when my, my, my brother lives in Shanghai now, he lives mm. in China, but he moved to Melbourne and I, you know, him and his boyfriend moved to Melbourne. And I, I would think that, I was like, well, what if, and, and, you know, what if he gets sick mm-hmm. and, and Ian can't visit him in hospital? Well, you know, that's just horrible to me. Yeah. That he couldn't be there, go in the ambulance with him and, and, and hold I his know. hand. It's just, just it makes me want to cry that, you know, that's denied it's, to him. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the simplest thing when people say, what's the, what's the reason you're fighting for equality? It's like, well, just really basic, simple things. Yeah. Like for, you know, what would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees to set up is... Instantly, it instantly happens at a, a small little ceremony in front of your friends and family, like that. That's that's all we're really asking for. So yeah, I, I find it. I also find it weird that we are now like you know, on the bottom of the list of countries that still haven't done it. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty embarrassing. And what would you say to people who who are listening and have a, a, a strong, a staunch opinion? And this is like every time they hear it, they get a little triggered and they go, "Well." Look, I don't, I don't even know. Like, it feels like every, it feels like we're in a, a time in this country anyway where anything progressive is 
just too too far. It feels like the last government did too many progressive things. And so this government are now going, no, 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 we're winding back, we're protecting, we're... So, it, yeah, I, I just think just wait. <laughs> like it's an, it's an inevitability, really. Yes, really. Like it's happening around the world. And, yes, there are countries where people will still be killed because of it. But, you know, in, in other parts of the world, it's become just, you know, the norm. It's so not an issue. Yeah. And it's got, I feel, it's got less to do with another person than what faith you might have. Yeah. It really has absolutely. Oh, it's, I mean, it's just change. People don't like change. People don't like any kind of, you know. But it's a false idea that you can go back because going back, back sucked. Yeah. So we have this nostalgia. <laughs> it's called, no, it's truth. It's a fact. It's called um, uh, uh, hedonistic. Uh, no, it's called euphoric recall. Mm -hmm. Euphoric recall allows us to only remember the awesome sunset we saw over Java mm -hmm. when we were in Bali, that great cocktail we had and that song that played when we were on the dance floor. But you forget that your bags got lost, you got dysentery, yep. uh, you got ripped off by a T-shirt merchant and you lost your wallet. So yep. you forget those parts about your holiday. You only remember the good parts. And that's how <laughs> human beings have second children because they forget the horrific <laughs> – they forget the pain. Well, there, also there's, you know. There's well, but you know what I mean. It's called, but it's, it's, but it's, <laughs> this what's called euphoric recall. So we tend to think that, oh, back in the past, things were better and blah, blah, mm -hmm. They weren't. They were fucked. No. They were fucked. People made, are you being served? And called it comedy. It was funny. It was funny. <laughs> Horrendously sexist. It was, it was outrageously <laughs> horrific. Oh, <laughs> outrageous. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's, there's no... There's no security, I think, in, yeah. in winding anything back. And I think that's what any kind of fundamentalism is. It's like, wait, 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 wait. It's all better if it's simplest. No, it was shit. Yeah. And it, it can only get better. Yeah. If we just move bloody forward. Yeah. But, you know, again, I, I understand. Like, moving forward is difficult. It's uh, change is um, a really horrific process. Like, I started doing stand-up. Uh, I did my first gig the week before my mum died. Oh. And that was a huge, big, horrible experience. Um, and it was sudden. There was no, it wasn't expected. Oh. And so that, like, this is the only job I've, like, up to that point, I was 25. Up to that point, I hadn't really done anything for longer than maybe 18 months. Like, that was about the longest I'd had a job. And I've been doing this now for nearly 20 years. Mm. And I don't know whether that was the catalyst that made me go, no, no, I really should you know, stick to something, you know, with, even though it was the thing that I did a fortnight before it happened. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's awful, you know, and you when you remember someone passing away, all you remember is the horror and the 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 awful, you know, the crying and the tears and, and missing them and all that kind of thing. But you never remember what else happened in your life. Like, and there was a huge change for me. Like, you know, I had to be self-reliant, like, uh, I mean, my mum left me a tiny little bit of money, not much, and I lived off that for maybe a year and a half. And so I could concentrate on doing stand-up, you know, doing gigs for nothing uh, to get to a point where I could start getting paid for it. And, yeah, and that was, it is that thing, though, like change is painful and it's difficult and the things we think are going to be good changes are often terrible and the things we think are going to be a horrible change end up being amazing. So... Like, even with gay marriage, I see a time where I will lament the passing of what it was to be gay in my time. Like, it, 
as soon as we have equality, we'll have nothing really to fight for. So there's no need to ghettoize. There's no need for us to be protected in our little enclaves mm-hmm. and hang out together. And there won't be as much need to create, you know, distressing and and invigorating heart. There won't be any need for drag queens, you know, who are all about visibility and they're all about, you know, look at us, we're not going away and all that kind of thing. It won't be that kind of world anymore. People will just live, you know, in the suburbs like everyone else and for want of a better word, be normal. And that'll be sad for me. Like I, you know, I grew up in a time where most people were, were dying. The people older than me were all dying in their thousands. And so, you know, we have no older role models. <laughs> like my generation are the oldest group of, you know, large group of, of gay men alive. Like it's it's a very let's talk situation. Let's talk about that because um, it frightens the shit out of me to come back to Australia and see HIV posters around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just boggles my mind that people are still having bareback sex in a, in this time. It's look, it, you know what? It's it's going to happen. Like I think it's gotten to that point now where uh you you know the horse has bolted. Like it's it's like all of the pornography is predominantly bareback. Yeah. Um bareback means no condoms for those yes. of you who are a little <laughs> Spoiler, we're going to be talking about <laughs> sex now. Um, but, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's just something that now people have realised, look, it's happening and we have to deal with it happening. Mm. Um, there, uh, There's a treatment which is not available yet in Australia, I don't think, but I think you can get it in some parts of the, of the States and possibly in the UK and various other countries. Mm. But it's a treatment called PrEP, which is a, a, a pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is a course of drugs you can take to minimize catching HIV. Like it is essentially a vaccine, for want of a better word. Like it is, yeah, I don't know what the results are, the stats are, but it's, you know, apparently it's really, really good and can completely minimize transmission. Wow. So we do live in a time where it's manageable. And that's the thing. And that's the thing. So, but let me talk about this because uh, there's a few things that I remember one really hit me. It was like after I saw Black Swan for the first time, mm. I went back and saw it three times, by the way. <laughs> I've never seen a film in the cinema three times. Oh, wow. It was that good. I just blown away by it. And um, I remember talking to an, an older gay man. Uh, he's not much older than you, mm-hmm. but he said something very similar. He goes, I'm pretty much the oldest gay man I know. Mm. He, he said, because, and he said the New York ballet was never as good as when he was a young man. I said, why is that? He says, because the audience died. Yeah the audience died in New York. Like within two years, everyone that was a subscriber to the ballet died. Yeah. And that's terrifying to think about. And, and, but so let's, let's talk about that. I mean, what was the, I've done the, um, oh, what's that fabulous stand at Mardi Gras? Oh, oh the glam stand. <laughs> yeah. The what, right on driver Avenue. I can't remember the name of it. The Bobby Goldsmith. Bobby Goldsmith. That's right. The Bobby the Goldsmith. Stand, and yeah. I, 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 I hosted it one year and it was fantastic. And then, you know, it was all fabulous and lovely and, mm. and we were having a fucking ball. And then one of the um one of the one of the floats went by and I can't recall which one it was, but the drag queen that I was there with, we were having mm. a great time. The drag queen just burst into tears. Oh. And I held her hand. I said, What's up? And she just went and she was older than me. She just went, So many, so many people. Yeah. I could, what was it like? Well, see, this is the thing. I didn't I was like the you know, it was all the generation kind of older than me. So I didn't really know that many people. I didn't lose. I, I, 
one of my best friends from when I was 19 uh, was has nearly died a couple of times, but he's like a cockroach. He's going to still be here after <laughs> the end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he was in intensive care once for like nine days, I think. Oh. Like, And it was just like, yeah, yeah, he's done. Yeah. He's finished. And uh, and so I'd, I'd run around on the like while he was in hospital and got like I bought a, a like just a get well soon card and I stuck a notebook in it like just a little tiny notebook and got as many people as I could to write a message to him people that he knew people he'd never met before just random strangers um, and he was he was positive well he was he had full blown AIDS full blown like, AIDS. he was really really yeah. in, in a bad way in like in intensive care yeah. uh, and not expected to survive. And so I got all these people to write in this book and then took it to the hospital thinking, look, I did something, mm. you know, it was all I could do. And then turned up and said, oh, I'm here to give this to Lee. And they went, oh, you can pop in and see him. He'd come around that night. Huh. Like, uh, and I went in the next morning and he was fine. And it was, yeah. But yeah, he, I mean, he's recently had a, a bout with cancer. He's, yeah, he's, and you know, he, he's not well. <laughs> yeah. And he's on constant medication. Mm. Um because it's now a chronic illness as opposed to... Yeah, but so when you were first... Ex- so, Ben, let me... I, I might have got the time frame a little wrong. So, so when you were first exploring your life, you know, and mm. your sexuality, it was very dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a teenager. And, yeah. you know, you, you don't make good decisions as a teenager. <laughs> decisions, like, also, sex is the last time you want to have to be making decisions. You are not in a, like Robin Williams famously <laughs> said, God gave men two heads, but only enough blood to use one at a time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And yeah, it's, uh, look, you know, I'm amazed I've made it to this age without having had a terrible accident. Mm. Um, friends of mine my age uh, still to this day are being diagnosed and I just go, how is this happening? Like for everything that we've all known for so long. But you know, accidents happen, you know, things go wrong uh, and, you know, people make poor decisions in the heat of the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, but this, you know, you can't, it can't be something you blame people for. It can't be something, you know, it's, it's like blaming someone for getting a cold. Like, you know, when someone comes to the office and everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't come to the office when you're sick. We're all going to get sick. It's like, you're going to get sick on the train on the way home. Like, yeah. don't blame the one person that's, you know, decided yeah. to fight on through their illness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was the, what was the, like, because I, I recall getting the shit scared out of me as, you know, mm. I sort of came out into my, you know, sexual years. I was actually too afraid to even, I was so terrified uh, that I pretty much was in a self-prescribed abstinence because I was so yeah. scared. It's, it. you know, the other thing that I found really difficult for all of that time is the, Basically, using a condom during sex, you're basically doing the most intimate thing two people can do together. And what you're saying is, I don't trust you at that moment. Like, it's a weird, it's a horrible, you know, there's there's no good side to that coin. There's, it's, a, it's a horrible situation. You can't reframe it as like, I care for you so much, I'm protecting us both. Yeah, I guess. But it's just the subconscious feel. It's the feeling that you, you know... It's what you feel. It's like, I don't trust you. I, I don't trust me. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it doesn't matter how, how you reframe it. At some part, in some part of your mind, you, you feel like, I don't, you know, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. Um, and, you know, that feeling of like, oh, yeah, we, yeah, it's a, 
yeah. I don't know. It's I felt what like about when you get time. into a what about when you get into a you know a relationship? That's I mean, there's lots of different things you can do. Like the what people recommend is the well, trust is one of the big ones. Um, but uh, talking about it, getting tested mm. um, together, and then getting retested after about three months, mm. just to you know before you decide to do anything risky mm. um, in your relationship, and then being yeah completely faithful to one another. Or if you are gonna if you're gonna be one of those couples that plays around outside of the house, then there's yeah you need to have real boundaries set for that as well. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's, it's no similar. It's no different to straight couples. Exactly. Straight couples have that conversation. Oh, you would have to, yeah, especially yeah. if honest, that, that's a that would be worse in a, a straight relationship because the the way you create a family basically involves having unsafe sex. Yep, and yeah, that would need to be a really that would be a very difficult conversation. <laughs> it is, especially if you have a partner. And I've had this experience mm. is as a guy, I've ne- I've like I'm Captain Condom, mm. always have been. My mum ran an STD clinic at the Australian Army, so she would come, <laughs> she would come home from work and goes, "Oh boys, like, what happened today, mum? Oh, herpes so bad, looked like he dipped his dick in cornflakes." Like, oh. she'd say stuff like that just to terrify you. Yeah, tell, no, no, she just like my mum has no filter. She would just be like describing what she saw at work that day and it scared the shit out of us. And so we were like, mate, you know, when we were 15, she gave us each a box of condoms. When we were 15, she goes, there you go. You know how to use them. But don't end up like these boys I see every day. And, and, and don't don't be having kids when you're 17. Yes. You know, she was, that was her, her big thing. So I've always, always, always used condoms. And then I've, you know, particularly when I was fairly quite single in my late mm. 20s, you know, being with women who are like, oh, no, 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 don't use a condom. Oh, you know, I'm like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so when you, uh, it sounds like, you know, that you said it wasn't a catalyst to start stand up with your mum's passing, but it no. sounds like it really was. It sounds like that was a, yeah. or I better get my shit together. Yeah. And I think that was the thing that kind of, you know, when, when you just feel like, oh God, I'm done with this. Mm. I can't be bothered anymore. It was all, it was just an extra thing to go, come on. You know, it was just one shit gig. You know, you can, there's always next week. Mm. And now that I live in the world of, you know, hundreds of gigs a month where, yeah, whether it's a TV thing or a radio thing or a stand-up thing, like, yeah, I don't really have the, you know, the get-out-of-the-jail card anymore. <laughs> just yeah. keep having to do it. <laughs> but I think it, I think it's, it's just super important. That's the difference between you and the one that's done six gigs yeah. and said, oh, I was a comic once. Uh, you just you understand that a bad gig is just a bad gig. Yeah, we all have bad gigs. It's like a bad day at work. Yeah, and that's that's okay. Unfortunately, you're in a business where it's completely okay for the audience to call you horrible names. Oh, and just to feel humiliated. Yeah. And to feel the worst is when you feel like you can't that you should be able to do something about it. Like when when people are really drunk in an audience and unresponsive and. you, you can't like they've gone beyond a point of making any sense. So you can't actually deal with them as a normal human being yeah like you know sometimes often hecklers are you know kind of there'll be a group of people in and they're the you know they're the the comedian of their group and so they're trying to assert their dominance over you on stage because they especially because you know i'm quite effeminate they see someone that they could uh assert their dominance over in an entire room of five or six hundred people yeah and yeah and so then it's my job to remind them that you know, I might seem queenie and bitchy, but 
I could make that work for me <laughs> against you. Um, but yeah, when people are really, really drunk and they don't have any, like I had a situation during the comedy festival in Melbourne this year, it was only like three or four weeks ago, where there was this couple in the front row making out with each other, like heterosexual making out. It was disgusting. I was quite offended. Oh, come on. <laughs> was horrified <laughs> but yeah they were making out with each other in the front row and then just kept answering questions that i would bring up it's like this is not as premises for jokes yeah no I know. that's not how this works <laughs> that's not how any of this works and then just you know chipping in and like seriously i couldn't even get through a sentence without one of them saying something and just it just became horrendous at, at, at one point i even stopped and said look i don't want to be an asshole I'm trying to be as nice to you people as possible without throwing you out. And I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what you want from these people here. Like, and I kind of got to the point where I was about to just offer the whole room a refund and say, look, let's cancel the show. Really? Because it was about 20 minutes of it. Like, it's only a 50-minute show. So it was nearly half the show. And then I just thought, well, no, they, I should give them a refund for having come to the wrong show. And then they should have to refund everybody else. Because they've ruined everyone else's night. <laughs> what did they do? What did you do with oh, them? Oh, the, the producer of the show just came in and told them to leave. But, really? You know, and she's only in her 30s. She <laughs> she's like leading. And they were so, like, they were so, I think they'd met that day somewhere, hammered, just decided to come to my show at some sort of last minute thing. Because when the, like, the guy was like, we just thought we we're making it fun. Like, me and, uh, and he just pointed at the woman. I went, you don't even know her name. Like, where have you two been all day? Wow. <laughs> like, they were, like, my show was on at 8 o'clock on a Sunday. Right. And it was, yeah, they were smashed. Oh. It was, yeah. But I just kind of felt terrible. So I was like, I felt like I had failed because I didn't know how to deal with it yeah. without resorting to someone else coming and telling them to leave. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then the rest of the show. I had to kind of rush the rest of the show because I only had half an hour oh. to jam in 45 minutes of material. Did you have another show right after you in the same room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are like five shows in that venue. Yeah, yeah so you can't, you, you can't, can't run late. You can't go over. <laughs> so when, when you were coming up, I'm just trying to do the maths, were you coming up with like Will Anderson and Rove yeah. and all those guys? Yeah. Will had been doing it for about a year, I think, or two years before me. Mm. Will was like my mentor, essentially, which wow. is weird. He was like five years younger than me. But he, yeah, we had lunch every day for about a year. <laughs> Like almost an entire year, just we'd go out to lunch. Sometimes we'd stay there for so long. We'd have dinner at the same cafe. Um, but yeah, he was obsessed with stand up. Like he had all these books. He watched videos. He just loved it so much. So most of what I learned about stand up was from Will um, and Michelle Laurie was another one I learned from watching her. Like I learned from uh, watching her MC. Like just the like hosting is a really difficult thing to do in stand up because a lot of people see it as their you know, it's their show. And it's like, no, it's not your show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's everyone else's show. You're just the one on in between everyone. I was the shittest stand-up comedy host that ever existed. <laughs> I'd like to apologize for everyone that came to the sit-down comedy club in Brisbane around 1997, <laughs> eight. Sorry. It was terrible. I did the sit-down just recently. It's still there. It's still fun. Ugh. <laughs> but what was it like to come up with? I mean, it seems like there was something in the water that year because you're talking about a little, it's interesting for me. I find these things interesting, how mm. small enclaves of yeah. either musicians or television producers or writers or particularly stand-ups all come up together. Like something happens magically between them. Like yeah. you think about, I was blessed to be a part of this magical moment in Channel V, myself, James Matheson, mm-hmm. Yumi Steins, off-air our executive producer, Ben Richardson, our cameramen, our producers, now you look around and they're holding gigantic offices in, in, in television. But yeah, we, we were yeah, just yeah. this little bubble that exploded. It, we, there was it was a special. similar thing. It was a similar thing. Like was we were there was a there was a uh, pub we all used to go to and do stand up at called Nicholson's. And there was a room called Elbow Grace, which was run by Jed Wood, who, you know, has been a producer on Spicks and Specs, um, and the block and you not know, the Irish pop fan? No. <laughs> Um, and we, so we all used to hang out there and like, there was a thing in Melbourne where like I, when I first did gigs in Sydney and Brisbane and stuff, I noticed it doesn't really happen in those cities, but we would all hang out. Like mm. we'd do gigs together. Like, even if you're just doing an open mic set, like, you know, you're not getting paid just in beer, but you'd all hang out after the show and go out afterwards. And yeah, there was Rove and Husey and Corinne Grant, and Michelle Laurie, um, Alan Bro. Like there was a huge, huge number of people. And, but we also were working at the same time at RMI TV. Um, Rove was hosting The Loft, which was like a, you know, like a variety tonight show kind of thing. RMI TV is like the, it's like your student television. Yeah. yeah. It was on, yeah, on uh, public access yeah, 31. Yeah, Channel 31. And we, he was hosting a tonight show on public access. Yeah. That's right, he was. Yeah. yeah. And with the puppets? No, no, no. That was, was on the afterwards. comedy channel. Yeah, was <laughs> that was, I think, concurrent with it. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, but yeah, so and all a lot of the people from RMI TV have gone on to be mm. like Matt Steadman, who was the station um, manager, is the head of uh, technology at Austereo now. Wow, at Southern Coast Austereo. So you know, all that, like yeah, there was a there was gorgeous James who used to do the lighting, who now works at like Channel Nine and well, mm-hmm. anywhere someone does lighting, there he is. Um, so yeah, you, there was a it was a similar thing to what happened mm. with you guys. Like it was just, I think we were all just in the right place at the right time. There was yeah. also, you know, people getting tired of what was happening on TV and mm. in stand-up. Like, you know, they've been seeing the same people all the time. Mm. So it just, you know, the public has a new hunger for new and younger people. So mm-hmm. I think it just, yeah. And so years, you know, not many years later, but a few years later, you're now these people have, national radio gigs and national yeah. television gigs. So they just, hey, Adam, why don't you come on? Was that how it was? <laughs> a little bit. I I nearly quit in 2001. Stand up? Yeah, I'd been yeah. doing it for five years and had gotten to a point where I was resenting it because I was just doing it for money. Like I, it was mm. my only income stream. And I just was like, oh, look, I'm, you know, tired of sitting in, you know, horrible little hotel rooms so I can make enough money from doing seven gigs at RSLs in Sydney to pay the rent back in Melbourne. Um, 
and yeah, and so I decided to do one last show, uh, and so started doing a whole bunch of free gigs to work up material for this my final show that I decided to do at the Fringe Festival, and then started enjoying doing the gigs because I'm like, ah, oh, oh, it's the money that I hated. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate doing the work. I just hated doing it for money. <laughs> so, yeah, started uh, really enjoying it again and sort of rediscovered the love of it. And one of the rooms was run by Charlie Pickering um, and he'd just gotten a job doing Drive on Triple J. So I said, oh, do you want to come and do a, a regular spot? And, yeah, so I that's how I started in radio, doing, you know, slagging people off on Triple J once a week. <laughs> And it, it kind of went from there. Yeah, I was reading out. I was reading out Darren Hayes' diary from the internet. He had a blog yeah. before they were known as a blog, and yeah. I did it in the campest voice possible. Uh-huh. This is when he was still in the closet. I feel terrible about it. <laughs> and uh, then he started writing about me, reading it, and it just became this bizarre, <laughs> wow, back and forth thing that went he's, on. He's been on this show. He's, he's lovely. He's hilarious. Fucking funny. He, he's going to be a mad comedy star. You watch. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's in, in the cast. I think he's in the cast of Groundlings now. Yeah. He's on Melrose, like Groundlings of like uh, Will Smith, uh, yeah, not yeah. Will, Will Ferrell and um, uh, uh, it's a classic, um, Phil Hartman, like all the, like the pre-Saturday mm. Night Live yeah. theatre is is the Groundlings theatre. I think he's in the cast now. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah he's, he's awesome. And fuck, he's hilarious. Yeah, he called, me, he called me the C-bomb the first time we ever met. Oh. <laughs> In a funny way. <laughs> How did the exchange go? You can say it on this show. I said, um, we. Oh, it was one of those, you know, those wanky radio station things where poor musicians have to prostitute themselves for airplay. Mm. And so I'd gone to one of these record launch things. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the label person had said, oh, this is, is Adam, he's from um, Fox, and he's going, oh, lovely to meet you. And I said, I used to read out your diary on Triple J, and he goes, oh, you're the cunt. (laughs) 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 It was really cute. (laughs) So so you say you didn't like doing the stand-up for money. Once you had the radio job for money, how Hmm. did the stand-up change? Um, Stand-up, like when I was doing radio, it's really hard to do, to be good at stand-up when it's not your only job. Mm-hmm. So why is that? Just because you can't concentrate on it as much. Like you can't devote as much time to writing and preparing. And like if you if you talk to Will, he'll tell you that you know all the shows he did when he was doing radio, he's not really that proud of. Like you know they were good, but his first show he did after leaving was you know because you're favorites. trying to feed a content monster three hours a day. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> and your brain's only got so many ideas in it. And also, you know, you're doing stand-up at night time after getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning. You're, you know, even if you have a nap in the afternoon, like I just, right. the, three, the three solo shows I did um, in the midst of that radio, that 10 years I did on radio, were like one of them I think I just turned up with a list of topics, like which I'm kind of proud of, you know, the fact that I managed to do the show. <laughs> And yeah. people didn't walk out screaming in horror, like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. People laughed. People paid money. You know, it was, they were successful, I think. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't feel that I did my best work. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, you have to really, it's it's a craft as much as it is, you know. Like, there's a whole 
a lot of kind of weird artisan shit that goes on with stand-up that people don't see, like the, you know. It just looks like it's off the cuff. Yeah. Like, you know, that's that's always been my one thing to say to anyone who's starting out and young. It's like try to forget how much you've written. Like try to forget the writing. Try it. Just remember the punchline and see if you can find your way there right. on stage. Like you're telling someone because an audience can smell something prepared from miles away and they don't want it. They want to believe that you're telling them for the first time ever, like that they're experiencing this, you know, like it's a, it's like a lie that we all tell each other. <laughs> yeah. But we believe it. You go and see a stand-up like, oh, my God. And then he said this, like, yeah, I was there last night. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's wacky, isn't it? I know. When you realise they've memorised an hour's worth of material. Yeah. Word for word. I know. My buddy Luke Heggie's a, a stand-up. Oh, I love Heggie. He's hilarious. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've known him since I was eight. <laughs> we're, like, we're like mates from 1982. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I saw, the other, I saw him the other night at um, the loft at the Enmore Theatre mm. while Bloody, what's his name? Was downstairs, long haired British. Uh, oh, Noble. What's that yeah, name? he's downstairs putting on a fucking rock concert. Yeah. You know, because he's got all these music grabs that he plays and yeah. the audience is roaring and they're not soundproof very well, the no. room that Peggy's got. Um, <laughs> but the density of his material, like, I, he's, he and I lived together. We would play three games of Scrabble a night. He is such an, a word nerd, like a complete, <laughs> the density and the nuances. And it, like he just plays this, I'm a labourer. Yeah, And yeah, here's yeah. some things I noticed about the world. He's neglecting to tell you that he has two master's degrees, <laughs> which he does. And, and he's travelled to maybe 57, 78 countries. Yeah. He's ridden his bicycle across the Andes. He's seen the, he's seen everything. Yeah. And so when he goes, you know what, I, I you know, if, <laughs> if you drink bourbon, if, yeah, it doesn't leave have adverse effects like, you know, jet ski ownership and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I love him. Fuck, he's funny. That's one of the things I think that made Husey so successful is that he sounds uneducated and stupid but has this Baroque vocabulary. Oh. Like just the things that come out of Husey's mouth, you're like, what is this? <laughs> he, he crushed last night at Logie's. Yeah. He crushed. That opening monologue was fantastic. Yeah. Just to take, just throw bombs at the network he's now got a job on. <laughs> and the, the owner of the venue he's doing the job in <laughs> while on the network. Great. It's that's a, That would be a nightmare gig for Logie's. Like I see, like, you know, poor Michael Pope in the... While the ad breaks are on. So, he, so just for folks who've never been to a television <laughs> taping, if you're live, there's three and a half to four minutes between the show mm-hmm. where everyone jumps up and runs out of the room or tries to rush over to another table to try and hustle up their next job <laughs> or, you know, tries to rush over a neighbour's girl or guy and tries, hey, what are you doing later? You know, and then, yeah. and then poor old Popey has to try and keep the room warm mm-hmm. so that when they – and shut them up when yeah. the audience comes down because <laughs> – then the next presenters are coming out with this elaborately staged gag and people are going, yeah, so anyway, I'll talk to you later. They're shouting as loud as they can. If you look at the, read the watch the logos, look at the watch, it's everyone standing at the wrong table, shaking yeah. hands, getting mobiles out. No, and Pope is and, like a... And this how Michael Pope's a while ago, who's yeah. been doing it since Jesus was in short yeah. pants. Yeah, he really has. He's like a, a sheepdog. <laughs> a celebrity sheepdog. He's never stopped working though. No, he's amazing. Still works. Yeah. He's got a podcast. He's got a podcast. He, he did some of the warm-ups for um, Spicks and Specs, but he's so in demand. Like He's so can, good at it. You can never get him for an entire run of anything. 
No, yeah, he used to do Idol for us. Mm. He did the big ones. Yeah. He, oh, he, he did the Opera House. He did the Opera House for us. I went to the Opera House a couple of times. For the Idol? Yeah. Oh, fuck, it's, they were fun. It was fun, but you you don't realise until you're there that the beauty of watching on television is that when they bring back the people that you voted out 12 weeks ago, you can flip over to 60 Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could never do that at the Opera House when you're no. sitting there saying, ah, oh, got to sit through these assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I got rid of her. And I hated her. What did you? Uh, so t- ten years on radio is a long time. That's a long mm. time to have a job on FM radio. It's in, a ridiculous like in this yeah, country. It's crazy. That's an incredible achievement. Yeah, it's weird. You've really got to, you know, what what did you what did you take away from that? What did you you know feel about the public that you may not have ever met <laughs> were it not for that job? Um, I always like there were times like, and I worked on you know sometimes three or four stations at once. Like I would be running up and down the stairs mm. at the uh, South Melbourne studios going like being in Adelaide one minute and then I'm in Brisbane and then I'll be in Perth and then, yeah, back in Melbourne. So I got to work with a lot of teams and occasionally you would get a bit tired because of the hours, you'd be shitty and you'd feel like crap. And it was, I always had to remember that the people who were in the car stuck in the worst traffic in the world who were listening to the show to get away from the traffic, they were having a much worse day than I was. Like I was actually having a really good time. I was laughing with my friends. I was, you know, making fun of celebrities and, you know, just having a really good day. Like what an awesome job to go to work and do essentially what everyone's going to do later on at their job for free. (laughs) And I was getting paid for it. Like it was, yeah, it was just, you know, you have to remind yourself sometimes that what you're doing is, it's it's kind of a gift. Like, you know, it's it's it's, really it's amazing. It's, it's fun. It's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts that it's it's that it's a career. That, yeah. I mean <laughs> I mean, we're sitting in a hotel room talking. <laughs> Gas bag. Which is nuts. Over over a coconut slice. Is it all right? You haven't yeah, finished it. It's really it? nice. Oh, you just no, not I haven't finished it because I yeah, I, if I talk and eat, then I spray. Oh. <laughs> and then I get reflux. Like, like I that. can't eat I can't eat two hours. I have to eat before two hours before a gig, oh. if I eat within that two-hour window, I'm in trouble. Oh. So yeah, th- like know, I maybe, burp. Maybe as a, <laughs> it happened the other night. It was the first time in ages. But I think as a vegan, I'm just you know used to just shoving so much. Oh, you have to eat twelve times a day. Yeah, <laughs> stomach issues. I don't even notice when my stomach hurts. Like, I was just like just all the it's byproducts, Thursday. all the beans I've just drank, uh-huh. all the beans I've just eaten. Totally, man. <laughs> what do you want? I'm vegan. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Been vegan a long time. Uh, so on the back end of radio, mm. did, was it sad to say goodbye to that? Was it a, a, sh- a shock? Did they let you go? Did you leave? Um, it was concurrent. I had made a decision to finish up because I thought 10 is a nice round number. It is. Like it's a huge. Seven huge, and 10. Seven, seven and years is enough time to do anything and 10, yeah. years is a, it's to, 10 years is a big party. To go, yep, it was a decade. I did that yeah. for a decade. Yep. I got up at four o'clock in the morning for a decade. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I had decided I didn't really want to do it anymore, but I was on a casual contract. So I didn't tell anyone because, you know, if I told them, they would have said, oh yeah, don't come in next week. We're trying out someone new (laughs) for next year. (laughs) So, uh, you know, yeah, playing my cards close to my chest. And then they canceled the show (laughs) about a week later. So I got the phone call from my boss and he was like, is that all we're, we're canceling the show? And I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) He's gone. Um, are you all right? I went, yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like, he was really surprised. And then later on we 
you know, I had a meeting with him and he didn't realise because there's a weird thing in radio where a lot of the bosses have been jocks, yeah. have been DJs before, yep. so have spent so much of their lives sitting alone in a room talking to people who aren't there that they're, they don't have the same emotions as normal people. This is absolutely true. <laughs> this is absolutely on point. So That has happened to me so often in air checks <laughs> when someone's critiquing my work, talking at me like they're on the spectrum, like I'm not even a, a human. Yeah. Because you're absolutely right. They've just yeah. sat in a room for it. But then again, I've done that too. Yeah, I know. I sat there for five years in I a know. room by myself in the middle of the night. And we, yeah. But when, <laughs> <laughs> you start to think, yeah, that it's fine to behave like that. But yeah, so he he called me into a meeting because he wanted to say, look, you know, they didn't need me next year. And I was like, oh, I just assumed that was part of cancelling the show. He goes, no, I don't know. Like, he goes, well, now, yes. But then, no. And I'm like, well, I had decided, like, you know, he... After this long, awkward conversation, he yeah. said, so, uh, you know, I'm, he goes, I'm really sorry, but like, you know, and I said, well, I had kind of decided to go anyway, but I was going to tell you at the end of the year. And he goes, oh, why did you just let me go through all that? And I went, I enjoyed watching you squirm. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it? Uh, Dave Cameron. Oh, <laughs> <Grumpy> wow. Dave. <laughs> yeah. Who's, Hi, Dave, if you're listening. Who is lovely. Yeah. I adore Dave. But yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's a great bloke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had, I think I've had a similar conversation with him. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone. Like, About hot hits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> he's a lovely guy. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's a really lovely guy. But it's such a weird radio head thing where, mm. you know, you think one decision does not equal, but it does. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so on the, on the back end of that, now suddenly you've got this machine that you've been crafting, not just your stand-up writing, mm. but now you've got this relentless demand for content doing mm. four different shows a day. When you come out of that, you aimed that writing. And was that when you started working on the TV thing show or did you have that TV show in your mind the, the, to write it? or Oh, the Outland. Yeah, yeah. No, that was concurrent. That yeah? Was all, I did all of that while. God damn. Yeah, we done, we shot the short film in, I think, 2005? Yeah. Um, so that was like during the summer holidays of radio, like after my first or second year. And yeah, so all of that, like there was five years of script development because the ABC is very slow and they can't give you any money unless they get it from someone else. So they were applying to Screen Australia and Film Victoria. So that was a really slow process of script development. And then, yeah, when it finally went into production was I would... I would have to get to work at five and pre-record all my segments for the morning for three markets and then go to be on set by about six. So <laughs> I was doing two full-time jobs at the same time. And were you ever happier? <laughs> I don't remember any. I remember the last two weeks because we shot the last, the last two weeks were after the end of rating. So okay. the shows had finished and I was able to. And the very last week was a night shoot, which is makes radio seem like the most sensible job in the world. Because right. you get to work at like five thirty, six at night, and you shoot till late in the morning. Yeah, we were shooting in an apartment with full length windows, so has to be dark. It has to be dark. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we. Yeah, there was one night where I just could not say any lines. Like I stopped speaking English. It was, and the sun was starting to come up, and they're like, "Come on, we're gonna get up." Like, and we did that on batch. <laughs> We shoot, we shoot late on batch. Yeah, late, yeah, because it's late. always nighttime. On yeah, always nighttime. On batch, <laughs> you can't give a rose in the daytime. Never, 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 never. <laughs> oh, unless you're on a single date. Right. On a single date, you can. Is it? This is my thing with reality TV, right? Because I've done a couple of 
terrible, terrible reality shows. The reality of it is like there's no, there's not much reality. Like it's a lot of, oh, can you do that again? And you're like, I, this is a real thing. <laughs> like I did celebrity dog school and they would say, can you do that again? I'm like, he's a dog. Yeah, right. I don't know. I only got him last week. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Look, that does happen occasionally. I won't lie. Um, because the thing with reality, if you don't get coverage, you don't get it. Yeah. So you got to get it. And more often than not, it doesn't happen in my experience. Yeah. More often than not, it doesn't happen. More often than not, we, certainly on Batch, yeah. we know what's about to happen. So I'm more than happy to do my bits yep. uh, twice, three times, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. it takes. More often than not, when I drop the business the first time, all the cameras on the reactions. Yeah, you can't yeah, get yeah. the first reaction twice, ever, 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 ever. So yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. to get that one right. Sometimes when you see me delivering business, the girls have already gone. Yeah. <laughs> or I've done it before the girls have got there. Or I've done it before the girls have got there. Because like there's a particular, like say they're going to do it, like they're walking out of the yeah, scene yeah, and they yeah. have to go do something straight away. There's no time to bring them back. And can you just cry again? You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, because ultimately on Bachelor, it's, it's, it's quite real. Yeah. And the girls really do and the boys really do fall in love which is really, really nice. Yeah. And it's lovely to have that as a job, to, to see, be around people that are falling in love. It was a bit tricky when I first started though because I, you know, I was still kind of like just divorced. I didn't know what was going mm. on and there's all romance and I was triggering me heaps and I was like, yeah. oh, I used to do stuff like this with my ex. Yeah. And they're in love and there's boats and jets. And, uh. Uh, so it was a bit tough, but now I've got a girlfriend. It's actually quite nice. I'm like, oh, it's nice. It's a good idea. I might go do that. Um, I had that. I used to work in a sex shop and I had like – I had that same thing when I was single at the time and everyone, um, like, you know, adult bookshops are kind of essentially a, a mecca for infidelity <laughs> and other bad behaviour. Pretty much. And so it just makes Especially you... Especially the ones with the booths. Yeah, we had the booths. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. Aren't they a thing of the past now you can get bloody... I know, it's on the internet. You know, porno, <laughs> on your phone. wank.com on your phone. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've had the same thing where it would set off a thing in me where it was like, I felt like I was going to be single for the next 10 years after yeah. that. But did, did, was it really hard? Like, was it like was it an everyday thing? Like Oh, the first season? Yeah. Yeah, like, I felt I, kind of, yeah, I felt. I've, yeah. I've failed at love. Pretty and much. Here are all these Yeah, I, I was still in the, it's never going to happen again, as you do. I mean, that's the thing yeah. that I tell you about divorce is you really, you know, because we're human, mm. we... The, Simon Reynolds taught me that, that we have this structure of depression, that it's uh, global, that it's personal, and that it's permanent. Yeah. That it's global, like I and everything in my life is now broken down, not just yeah. my marriage. Everything in my life is now broken down. Well, it's kind of like I became unemployed blah, 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 yeah. afterwards. Uh, that it's personal, mm. that, for example, this, this job is ending because this person doesn't like me or my job. It's like, no, it's just a business decision. Yeah. Oh, and that it's permanent. And therefore I will never get a job again or I'll never fall in love again. Yeah. And you could just challenge those three things. Like, well, it's not global. Every, all these other things in my life are working. It's not personal because it's just money and it's not permanent because it's completely irrational to believe that I'll never work again. Yeah. Um, but, at, or be in love again. But at the time when you're watching Tim Robards, you know, shirtless walking down the beach and, you know, this is an amazing specimen of humanity. Geez, I saw him. I took, <laughs> I took a photo of him and Sam uh, Wood last night. <laughs> At the Channel 10 after party, discussing secret, you know, passing the torch, yeah. secret bachelor business. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> but it's nice now I'm with someone. It's really, it's so nice because I haven't been with someone for such a long time. And to finally be with someone, I was I was single. I wasn't really doing much. I was yeah. just like being single and reading my book. Uh, <laughs> there was no, I'm sober, dude. I'm not going to go out and 
go to yeah. clubs looking for girls from there. And also, you know, then you only meet drunk people. Yeah, well, there's Netflix. Because, you know, I can watch three seasons of Archer. It's so much more fun. I mean, you get fat that way. Um, <laughs> I want to ask about the, there was a thing in the paper, you got an apology recently. Yeah. Did you have to pursue that or that was just one email or how? Because they're, they're loath to do that kind of thing at a newspaper. There was a shot fired. Right. A legal one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, what Adam's talking about is there was a, an article in the newspaper. Um, it was pretty I'll, nasty. I'll tell the story and then I'll call my lawyer and ask if I can talk, <laughs> tell the story. And if I can't tell the story, I'll edit it out. So if we jump from this part of the conversation <laughs> to the next bit, to the next bit, you know, I've called the lawyer. Does it make you want to do, you know, there's, you know, that whole victim blaming thing. Does it make you go, oh, well, I just won't turn up to anything. I just won't go to the opening of that. Or, oh, I think, as much I think, as you want to see Avengers before everyone. I think that happens. I think that happens for about, you know, three or four minutes. Yeah. But also, you know, I I was super proud to be like, I am so happy with my life right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am happy to be back out walking around red carpets with this woman I'm in love with and her daughter. Boom, this is me being very happy and in love. Here I am. How much fun is it being instant dad? <laughs> well, that's the that's the fallacy. You don't ever try and be the dad. No. no, no, no. The best I can hope for is to be a person in her life. Yep. I'll be polite. I'll show manners. I'm, I'll expect politeness and manners. That's where it ends. It's kind of fun though. Like I, was, I had a boyfriend for five years who had a, a kid. And so on the weekend, we had a kid. Like it was just like having a weekend family. How old was the kid? <laughs> he was seven when we got together, so it would have been twelve when we broke up. But yeah, wow. So. But I think the trick is you never, for me, and I learned this, you know, never discipline, never. No, ever. well, it's not your job. No. <laughs> and they'll, you know, and they'll test you, and that's okay. Yeah. That's their job. That's their job yeah. to test you, and that's their job to you know wedge themselves between you and yeah, you know them. That's okay. But you know, I think it's actually wonderful. I would, I would always just say, "What would your dad think about that?" Yeah, he wouldn't let me. So, do you think maybe that's you the line? Do that's it? the other. That's as far as, <laughs> and you know, that's as far as you can go. Yeah. That's as far as you can go. Yeah. Uh, I actually did that the other day. Would your mum be happy? Yeah, it's pretty cold today. Would your mum be happy if you left without a jumper? <laughs> and then she's in a jumper. <laughs> and that's it. That's all you have to do. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Uh, but I do relish, relish getting out the dad material. <laughs> Oh, the dead center of town. <laughs> Which way do we go? How do we get up there? Well, we could take the ramp if you're so inclined. Hey, <laughs> it's fantastic! I love the I love the eye rolls. Oh, <laughs> teenage eye rolls are the. You know, best. I don't know how oh. I, I knew. I know that I'm kind of getting close <laughs> to her heart when we were at the ice cream store the other day, and they were playing um, Fifty Cent. Bum bum. Bum, 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 that one. Yeah. And I'm doing a, you know, a bit of, club. and she's like, I'm doing a bit of bad dancing. And she's like, could you not? I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dad dancing. Could you not? Stop it, Osh. It's embarrassing. Yeah. I was like, I'm real. <laughs> you care. <laughs> Victory. <laughs> so it's nice, but it's, look, it's really nice. It's nice to, uh, I spent so long alone. It's lovely to be 
in something and because yeah. i think as humans we're better together and you know but how, how about you you're you're loved up at the moment i am i am well and, and he lives here in sydney so this is why i'm spending so much time up here yeah <laughs> um long distance relationship is uh easier than i thought it would be yeah i, I you know i did one when i was a teenager which was a nightmare um but yeah it's been kind of i guess when it's when it's gonna work it's gonna work no matter the obstacles mm-hmm. um and yeah, it's been fun. It's my first sober relationship, which has been weird. Like I, he's so- sober. Or you're sober. Both. I mean, he has has the odd drink here and there, but I haven't had a drink in God, nearly two years. Two years in July. Wow. And yeah, so it's yeah, and it's it's kind of yeah, my first relationship where I haven't had fights about nothing because we both had far too much to drink and just, there's a paper on the thing. No, why is the paper on the thing? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, I don't like it when you put paper on the thing. Well, I didn't even know the thing was there. Or start, start, starting arguments with the two magic words, you always. You always. Oh. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the death knell. Um, so I'm five years sober. Wow. Yeah. I'm was five. there a catalyst or just stopped? Oh, yeah. I had I stopped because I couldn't stop. Yeah. I tell people, I thought, I think I had enough. <laughs> yeah. People ask me, don't you miss? I said, no, no, don't worry. Don't worry. I, it was a quota. And I took care of it. <laughs> it was a life quota. Everything I could drink until I, thought I, was, I was 80, I'd done by the time I was 36. So don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. I've had all, I've had I my had, share of booze. I've had enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I... Yeah, I thought it was going to be a, like a magical thing. Like, you know, especially like you see people who do AA and all that kind of stuff and there's, you know, they all kind of wax lyrical about the amazingness. And it's it was not as amazing as I thought it would be. Like I just stopped for a couple of weeks and then haven't started again. Um, but the I still get hangovers, which is the worst thing that no one told me about. <laughs> that 80% of a hangover is exhaustion. But oh, yeah. You've done too much and yep. stayed out too late, and, too late, and yeah. had too much fun, and that there is a price to pay for that as well as the dehydration. Now I'm just not dehydrated the next day, but the, I still can't walk or, or polluted, <laughs> or your liver's trying yeah. to process everything you threw through it. Um, but I have you got any help? Or is it just you by yourself? I've been. It kind of was a, a an offshoot. I've been doing therapy for the last three or four years, mm. um, and so it was kind of like an offshoot of that, right? But, yeah, like I was just, I had a really, really dark couple of months where I lost one job. Like, you know, I was doing three or four jobs mm. at the same time. I lost one job to someone who was 20 years younger than me, which is yeah hard mm. to deal with because, you know, aging comes into it as well as mm. your competency. And This know, is the business we've chosen. Yeah, relevant. It's ageist. All that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so I was feeling a bit down and just a bit bleak and so thought, right, I'm, and my my therapist put me on antidepressants and my liver passes everything through like it doesn't hold on to anything so I was manic mm. after one pill and like you know cleaning the house and dancing and carrying on I was like oh my god it's the 90s in my house <laughs> I'm off my face so I yeah I rang her and I said is this normal she goes oh yeah no that's not right you shouldn't, <laughs> don't have any more um so yeah because I knew I was going to come back down off that yeah I thought well let's not Let's not add a hangover to mm. what is going to possibly be a really horrendous right. next couple of days. Um, so, yeah, I just had 
a fortnight off. And because I've been, you know, I've tried to lose weight a number of times. One of the things you do is like, you know, like a food diary where you assess your emotional eating. And so I was just asking those basic questions that I always ask whenever I eat or drink anything. When I wanted to have anything alcoholic, I'd be like, oh, I might have a glass of champagne tonight. I'd be like, why do I want a glass of champagne? And the answer was always, I want to end up at a gay bar at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'd be like, that is not a good reason. <laughs> Because I knew that that was going to be one of like several hundred drinks. So, yeah. And now I'm at the other end of that. But I don't have the craving anymore. I don't feel like drinking. I don't want to be. Yeah. I don't want to have that that fog, you know, yeah. that kind of weird, dizzy. Someone asked, yeah, someone asked me last night. And thinking it through is, is a big deal. Because yeah. mine, mine was very much the same. Someone asked me last night at the Logies after party, don't you miss it, mate? Don't you just want to have one, one beer? I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. If I have a sip, yeah, not even a drink. If I have a sip, that's not all I'm gonna have. Yeah, I once that starts, I'm unable to prevent it from becoming three in the morning. Me being a cunt, <laughs> having a blackout argument with someone, getting thrown out of the casino. Someone's upset, <laughs> you know, and having you know vomited and and just, I, I couldn't prevent that from happening, and also, it happened every fucking time. Also, the the thing that I think I was. The one thing I don't miss is going to a job, whether it's a TV job or a radio job or a photo shoot or whatever, and thinking like three days later, I must have stunk. I must have smelled like three-day-old poo. Like I'd had an hour's sleep. I'd been out all night. I'd ended up at some sauna somewhere. But (laughs) I must have been the most horrendous human being in, on the face of the earth at 7 o'clock in the morning at that thing that I was meant to turn up to oh. if I turned up. Oh, God. Like, just that feeling. Yeah. And but and that doesn't, you know, you don't think of that before the drinking yeah. or when you're turning up to something quite clearly inebriated. Well, driving my car to work at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh. Terrifying. Oh. Well, you know, to, for, for what you said before, um, it's good because I don't have to do it alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best part. And the thing you talked about with people waxing lyrical, there's a fair bit of work that goes into. Yeah, I imagine. And that's really interesting. Mm. And it's, 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 I found it enormously therapeutic and it allowed me, gave me the gift of not, of living the rest of my life not being that guy anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, and that's where the whole name change thing and everything came from as well. So I get to be a different man mm. than the person who was. Like someone asked me last night, um, what, what would you like to have said to yourself as an 18 year old? And I would have said, which I knew at the time was true, but it took me 18 years to believe it. That great line from Dean Wormer in um, Animal House, fat, drunk and stupid is nowhere to go through life, my boy. <laughs> which I was for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of, I, I guess because I've done it the other way around. With me, it's more about... Um, it was a very therapy thing about acceptance, about going, yeah, I accept the fact that I did stupid things when I was drunk. I made bad decisions, and I, but I enjoyed myself. Like I had a really good time. But I, you know, the, the sobriety is about teaching yourself or relearning that you are that same person, just not drunk. Like I, I think it was... <laughs> I think it was Emerald Shiano's birthday I went to. Uh-huh. Like, was it a, 
a really fancy restaurant in the city. There was half gays and half straights because, you know, she's surrounded by gays. And someone was showing pictures on their phone of some guy they'd met to the straight guys on the other side of the table. And one of them has gone, like, they were nude pictures because, you know, that's all we send to each other. Um, and one guy's gone, why is this dick a different colour than the rest of him? I went, because it's been up someone's ass." really loud and it was one of those moments that we got really quiet my voice just carried for miles and I went yeah I'm not a different person sober <laughs> that is exactly the kind of thing I would have done drunk and gone oh my god you're such a drunken idiot how can you behave like this and then I've gone oh no that's me oh <laughs> that is just me that's not alcohol I'm like that <laughs> I can't I can't deny that this is part of my personality drinking's not going to doesn't amplify it or change it. It just means I stay awake later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> I know, that was the moment I realised I could be sober. Oh, that's poetic, man. <laughs> that's poetry right there. There's someone right now going, maybe I will try this not drinking thing out. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Not like physically nothing has changed. Well, for me... Um, <laughs> I did feel last night when I left, the, I left the Logies after party, uh, the network after party, right when it was peaking. So right yeah. when it was at maximum capacity, right when it, you know, there's lots of flash bombs going off and yeah. lots of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is where I'd, so I'd, I'd you know, disappear in a puff of smoke. And for, for about five steps out the door, I was like, I should really stay. I should really stay. I should really stay. I was like, no, I've, I've said hello and thank you to the general manager. I've said yep. hello and thank you to the CEO. I've, you know, done my business and mm -hmm. rounds with the, the you know, the, the salespeople. I've, I've said, I had a great catch up with all my executive producers and everybody I work with. I said, thank you to everyone, my publicity. I've da, 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 da. Everything I had to do at that party has happened. Yeah. I'm going to go upstairs and read my book. That's, that is, that is the best thing about it is because you, that's the, when you're drunk, you don't know to leave because, mm. You're having fun. And, yeah, there just comes a point where everybody else starts to become annoying. Mm. <laughs> it's actually you. <laughs> no, but when you're, that's, that's what I mean. When you're sober, you just go, oh, everyone's starting yeah. to become annoying. Yeah. I'm going to. That's dip, when I tap I'm out. I'm going to dip out of this one now. Yeah, yeah. I, I usually go. So the trick is I usually arrive late. Yeah. So after the first bravado of the first rounds of drinks have come through. Yeah. And I. I, I, Alicia Malone taught me this. You, you quickly run around, you get a lot of Facebook photos with everybody. <laughs> and then around about drink four or five, they can't remember too much about time anymore. And yeah. you just vanish. You don't even, you do the Irish goodbye. You don't even use phantom. And so the next day when they're going through the photos, they go, yeah, yeah he was there. Yeah. I'm at home watching Archer on Netflix. Or oh, my other favorite thing is driving home. Oh, it's the best. Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah. Like not having to find a cab. It's great. Not having to, you know, wrestle or have an argument with a cab driver about whether or not we're going on the freeway. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> it's I'm, amazing. I'm, and, you know, and occasionally people go, what, you're never going to drink again for the rest of your life? Yeah, not. See, I, I, I haven't promised myself that. I just right. said as long as I don't feel like it. Mm. And I don't feel like it. I just, and even when I have really shit days and I'm like, oh, God, this has been the worst, it's been really hard, like, you know, I was on a TV show that I loved last year and it got cancelled and I was like, that was the point where I thought, now I could totally get blotto. And just the impetus did not even come. It was, I was weirdly philosophical about the whole thing. I was like, hey, you know, I would have done that job for 20 years and not done anything else. I wouldn't have challenged myself ever. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's an incredible mark of, uh, I'm going to say professionalism. 
well, in this industry to not take it personally. Yeah. Well, you know, I, <laughs> the yeah, it was there were no, there were a, it was the ABC. There are a million other reasons <laughs> yeah. why things happen, and you just go, I can't even pretend to take this personally. Like there are so many voices with so many different people with so many different opinions. Yeah, I can't even. I can't even pretend it had anything to do with it. When you showed up, did you do the very best job you could? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel, looking back at that, that you were the absolute on point, funniest person and the greatest at uh, that job? The, you know what? The three of us, Josh and Ella and I, had such great chemistry and we had so much fun. And it was, yeah, it, I think, you know, it was not the show that it used to be, for, like that it was for seven years, but it was our show and we had fun doing it. And... Yeah, I don't, yeah. As well, I think as long as, what I'm trying to get at is like if you've done everything you can in mm. your power, and I would say that about any show that I've been on that hasn't come back, it's like my job is to host it as best as I possibly can. Yeah. I'm not in marketing. I'm not in programming. I'm not in sales. I'm, you know, I'm none of those things. Yeah. I'm, I do my part for promotion when it comes to sell the show, but I have to release everything else. If it doesn't, yeah. if those other things don't work, it's got nothing to do with me. I have, yeah. can only look and go, I've done my best. And when they paid me the money, they got what they paid for. And possibly better. <laughs> possibly more. Possibly more. I always, always under promise and over deliver. <laughs> like Scotty on the Enterprise. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> We've made a circle. <laughs> always. Right at the Rocky Horror Show the other night, uh, about two weeks ago now, um, so we're sitting down. It was the opening night. It was very fancy. I hadn't been to an opening night thing for a long time. Mm. And we're sitting down and I'm fairly, you know, I was like, okay, that person's here. That person's here. I'm a bit okay. And I was just sitting down. Audrey goes, George Decay's next to us. No. I was like, pardon? She goes, George Decay's next to us. That's right. He was in town for Sulu. And I turn around and it's fucking Mr. Sulu. He's okay. two doors down. I didn't punish him. I didn't want to go near him. <laughs> it was just nice enough to go just to be two seats away. He'd, he'd probably be lovely with it. He seems like a lovely guy. He seems like a lovely guy. The greatest killer story. Oh. Killer getting turned by his own country, put in a prison camp yeah. in the 40s. Oh, amazing, amazing, amazing tale. So does, we've, I've had you for a long time, which I'm grateful for. Oh, please. You've been here for, for, for ages and you, you started a new job today, as you, as you said. I did. So. <laughs> and that's okay. I don't want to keep you too late. But you know what? Now you're on the back end of this. I'll I'll talk about the Spicks and Specs, which is the show we were just talking mm. about. I'll talk about that in the intro to yeah. you know because we kind of came to it very quickly. Yeah, sorry about uh, that. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Fine. So now you've got that behind you. Now you've got the the FM radio thing behind you. You've got mm. that. You know, not only have you written and produced and starred in your own show, but you've mm. also been on this behemoth um, brand show. Yeah. Going forward. Where do you there's a lot of opportunity ahead of us with digital media, Adam. Where do you I know. what are you doing? Where are you going? I love do you know what I love doing this? I love doing podcasting more than anything. That's great. Um if there was a way for it to pay the mortgage would be awesome. Uh I kind of like I feel like someone and I, I you know, I don't want it to be me because I'm not very good at managing myself, let alone other people, but it's someone needs to like it is an untapped potential for sales for marketing for like i know so many people that listen to podcasts that would never go near a radio station absolutely i don't watch tv anymore um i 
So just on demand, just yeah, torrents, just whatever. Yeah. Well, no, I've got the I've got the Netflix and the Stan, and I'm thinking about the Foxtel one, but it's blurry. They don't do HD. Um, oh, pants. I know you have to buy the you have to get the actual Foxtel box to no, get HD. No. I know it's like a billion dollars a month. Um, but yeah, like t- the the podcasting thing, I love and I loved doing it when when I had when I worked at the radio station, we used to use the studios. And they were so good. But, yeah, it's been a bit more difficult just doing it on a handheld. Like we can't take phone calls and yeah, do all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I love podcasting so much. So I'm kind of, yeah, like the two I do are kind of irregular and, you know, all over the place. And also, you know, it's relying on other people, which yeah. is also hard. <laughs> Because, you know, you can do it on your own. Like, yeah. You know, like you invite someone over and you interview them. But, yeah, when you're working in a team with people, it can, yeah, you know, you've got to have be in the same city at the same time. <laughs> it's awkward. Yeah, it is. Especially when no one's being paid. Here's the thing, though, <laughs> and I've said this on this show many times before. It costs me money to do this podcast mm-hmm. and not only in the, the hosting fees or whatever, but also the time and the effort that it takes. It takes yeah. like up writing, recording, everything. It's probably about six or seven hours yeah, each, yeah. each show. And I don't know about you, Adam Richard, but my hourly rate is quite, you know. Yes, it's significant. But, <laughs> but the value that this show has brought me in every other aspect mm. of my career is priceless. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely priceless. I did uh, I did Can of Worms with, with Chrissy. Um, like I did like a trial one. When she was, you know, basically seeing whether she was any good at it. You know, yeah, yeah. It was about some of the sh- some of these big format shows. You you do you, you do practice. like a week or two. Yeah, you know, it's like a tech rehearsal or a oh, we did. I think pre- did, preview nights. I think we did about twenty episodes of Speaks as a team before we did our first one in front of people. Right, and then we did two in front of people that never went to air. <laughs> um, so yeah, Chrissy was doing one of those, and I went and did like essentially an audition to be a guest. And I think from. All the work I've done on my Talking Puffy podcast, um, where we would talk about really intense kind of stuff. Like we, people write us letters and we vaguely try to answer them and then end up in a weird rabbit hole of sexuality. Um, <laughs> there's your drinking game again. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think from doing that I, I really performed well on that show. And so then when it did a, a real one and then they called me back for another one. And I think a lot of jobs I got came out of that. Like, uh, yeah, there. That was just sort of you know, new weirdly intelligent me as opposed to, mm. you know, Kenneth Williams but fat. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm facing a, I'm facing a similar thing. My big brother always says to me, "When are you going to do a show that people understand? People find out how smart you are." Mm. He always, my big brother always tells me that. Well, people don't people don't want anyone smart on the television because they feel intimidated by them. The only time you get someone really smart on TV is if you have a whole lot of dumb people around them being dumb. Like you wouldn't have Stephen Fry alone on television without Ellen Davis next to him being ridiculous. Like it's, uh, mm. it's yeah, people are intimidated by intelligence. So let's pitch a panel show. Okay, cool. You and me. I saw Sophia from ABC last night. Oh, I love Sophia. Let's do it. Yeah, cool. We'll figure something out. You and me being, you know, not as dumb as we look. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the show. Not as dumb as they look. Thursday nights on the ABC, <laughs> ABC2, and I've And Heggy. We need Heggy. Oh, <laughs> that'd be great. All he's, right. the, he's the poster boy for not as dumb as they look. Oh, my God. I'm, um, 
I'm going to take your photo. Okay. Thank you so much for this. Oh, thank you. We talk forever. Fun. Yeah, yeah. That's me. I'll talk for hours about nothing. Underwater with a mouthful of marbles, love. <laughs> <laughs> and we're out. <laughs> that was Adam Richard. What a lovely man. I'm grateful that he came over and that we had that conversation. We got pretty deep there, despite the fact that we started talking about all kinds of, you know, are you being served action? We got to the end there. I think we did it. That was good. Um, You can find Adam on Twitter. Let him know you heard him here at Adam Richard. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I would ask again this week, do me the kindness and download and have a listen to the new show that I'm working on, Movember Radio. You can find it in the podcasting app you're listening to right now or just go to movemberradio.com. You can always send me an email if you need anything. Send Osher email at gmail.com. Other than that, get that eight hours sleep in, man. Get to bed early, get up early, go walking around the block, listen to a podcast, eat three squares, drink a bunch of liters of water, be kind to each other, sleep well, and dream of beautiful things. Thank you so much for being here. I'll talk to you next week. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 